Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Buck Sexton Show. Oh, my, we knew this day would be here. The day after the throwdown in Ohio. And I've got to tell you, it was it was <laughs> it was a bit like a, a steel cage match. More more that than a debate. It was certainly um, feisty. It was fiery at points. And I'm going to try today to, to spend as little time as I can on the uh, what I viewed as as just unconscionably bad and biased moderating. Right. I thought that I thought that Chris Wallace, I know that a lot of people at Fox hold him in very high regard and he may be a great guy and a great journalist and all this stuff. It was a an F last night for moderation an F. Fail, massive fail. But let's go into what what was said, what we take from all of this, uh, what we learned, if we can say much of anything about it. In a sense, I've got to say it's a reflection of our current political state right now. Wouldn't it have actually been quite strange? Wouldn't it have been off-putting if Joe Biden and Donald Trump, I don't like that they call him Vice President Biden. He's not the vice president anymore. I don't think that we have these titles that we carry forever, okay? He's just Joe Biden, guy who makes millions of dollars with books that other people write for him and speeches that other people write for him. And he used to have got, uh, jobs in government. or not, well, Now he's a presidential contender, but I'm just saying. He's not the vice president. Uh, but... If these two individuals were warm and fuzzy to each other on that stage, wouldn't it feel like this whole thing is all all kind of a waste of time and a hoax anyway? I often hear people in a bit of uh, n- political nihilism complain. They say, oh, both parties are the same. You get the same thing no matter who's in charge, right? This this is uh, something you'll hear. I, I think it's generally a, an unsophisticated view of American politics. I think there's big differences that can come from uh, these two political parties. That's not to say that the parties don't cross over more than they pretend to or that you don't have certainly a lot of Republicans who are willing to abandon core principles and, and tenets in order to get what they want in a short term way with the donor class, with the special interests. But there's a difference between a political party that's saying there's going to be a mask mandate, national mask mandate day one if they win. And the party that says we are strangling our own economy And it's not clear that we are deriving any health benefit from this at this stage. It is not clear, despite what they tell you. And if you see other countries and what they're going through right now, uh, they've learned painful lessons, too. So we might as well see what's actually going on with open eyes, try to be objective about it. But we don't. Instead, we have a very political view of of all of these things. Um, Joe Biden was bitter last night in many ways now trump was very aggressive i think aggressive to the point of being a little bit abrasive which i don't care about so you have to tell me buck don't be a whip i'm not it's fine by me i think that i think that joe biden is a fraud and a moron and you know if you're going to go after him go after him i don't have a problem with that i'm just saying from the perspective of somebody who wants as many of those undecided voters in ohio and florida and pennsylvania and wisconsin and michigan and nevada and new hampshire and wants as many of them as possible to be convinced in this last leg of this election race to vote for Donald Trump. I'm not sure that that was effective. 
That said, I did see the Telemundo polling, which was very interesting, that showed a strong majority of Hispanic Telemundo. And I know the whole audience isn't Hispanic that watches Telemundo, but I think it's generally considered a Hispanic audience uh, that the Hispanic uh, Telemundo audience was. Coming away from that debate, thinking that Donald Trump had actually won it, I think, by about a two to one margin. So it really depends. I, I just want what's most effective. And was that exchange last night? It felt to me like, you know, two aging prize fighters. Trump got the best of him, but it was messy. It was scrappy. There were a lot of elbows thrown, some low blows, some, you know, I think the boxing analogies, as hackneyed as they are, are kind of helpful. It really allows you to think through what what happened last night. There were some moments when I believe that Donald Trump squared up to throw a knockout blow. There were some points at which I would say it was it was close that Donald Trump could have really hammered him. And in this analogy, the referee here, Chris Wallace, just stood in between them and said, break, 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 and and made sure that Trump couldn't get there. Uh, There were some there were some very clear examples of this. Um, There were examples that included why is it that we still have not gotten we still have not gotten a an answer from Joe Biden as to whether he would do court packing. This is a this is a big thing. This isn't a little thing. This is a big question. And it's a yes or no. Are you willing to do this? There's only there's only, you know, two answers to the question that are possible. But Biden keeps giving a third answer. Or he's allowed to give this third answer, which is I'm not going to make that the. The centerpiece here, that's going to be a big issue if I answer that. Well, that's not an excuse. That's a dodge. That's as obvious and uh, oleaginous a political dodge as you'll find anywhere. Why can't we get that answer? Well, Trump tried, but Chris Wallace jumped in and saved him from that. There was, you know, the no question last night about amnesty. Uh, There was a brief exchange about ending the filibuster, but we did not end up getting a a real answer uh, from Biden. I mean, Biden was able to escape some areas where he would have had a lot of problems. The thing about Trump is that he he's not trying to lie about what he has done or would do. He has now I know the left would lose their mind at that, but He's you're getting the same Trump today as you were getting a year ago, as you were getting four years ago, wants to do the same things, pushes the same ideas and ideals. Trying to accomplish the same policy goals with Joe Biden, there's this fakery, there's this fraudulence that comes up because at some level, the Democrats know that there's a chunk of the of uh, the middle of the country. And I mean that somewhat geographically, but also more generally, politically speaking. There is a piece of the country that doesn't want to go with this far left Democrat Party. And that's where the party's going. I mean, that is the Democrat Party now. They're trying to hide it from people. But that's why Biden can't give answers on things like packing the court, ending the filibuster. That's why uh, when Biden said that the Green New Deal is not his plan. That was a real wake-up moment for a lot of folks. Oh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Democrat who's going to be leading their party if he wins, uh, he's not in favor of one of their signature issues that has to do with existential 
existential threats to us. The, the climate change crisis, which they, they say the left now, the Democrat Party, as an issue of dogma, of orthodoxy, thinks that climate change is an existential threat. But somehow Joe Biden is telling the American people, no, he, he's not really on board with that. Play 22. Look what's happened just in the Midwest with these storms that come through and wipe out entire sections and counties in Iowa. They didn't happen before. They're because of global warming. We make up 15 percent of the world's problem. We, in fact, but the, the rest of the world, we've got to get them to come along. That's why we have to get back into back into the Paris Accord. All right, gentlemen. Well, wait we, a minute, Chris. So why didn't he do it for 47 years? You were vice president. Why didn't you get the world? China sends up real dirt into the air. Russia does. India does. They all do. We're supposed to be good. And by the way, he made a couple of statements. The Green New Deal is $100 trillion, that is not, not $20 billion. My plan. That's the Green uh, well, New you want to Deal rebuild every is building. not my plan. I want to rebuild. Right. That is not my plan. Does anyone even know what this Biden plan is? Apparently Chris Wallace does. He's trying to help out Biden when he can. Look, I- I'm sorry. Chris Wallace showed everybody what he was really about last night, and it was obvious and it was gross. And I know there are people, including friends of mine, including people that I like and respect over at Fox, who really like and respect Chris Wallace. I don't know the man, never met him, never talked to him. That performance last night was was terrible. It was it was the worst debate moderating I have seen. And that includes Harwood and Candy Crowley's embarrassing debate moderator performances. Uh, I don't know why we think that there's this presidential commission on debates. We should be deferring to them. I mean, why don't we have a Joe Rogan? Why, why isn't there an Internet based debate? Why do we have to do this old network style? Doesn't make any sense to me. Well, there's a lot of big interest involved. There's huge money involved, as you know, and the prestige of getting these debates. There's the there's money involved in people being able to say we are the ones that held this debate. Um, But I, I thought last night Biden had to distance himself from the left, getting back to what substance there was. I want to try to focus on the substance. I, I am very agitated about the format and about the moderator. I'm not going to I can't hide that from you. I, I found it really just pathetic. Uh, but the most important thing was what you can take away from that. And that's Joe Biden is doing exactly what I've been saying all along. He's hiding from the radical left of his party on these issues and will not confront them. He's either evasive or abandoning them depends on the issue and what he thinks he can get away with. But nobody really believes that that will hold if he were to win the election. No one thinks that he's going to stand up to wokeness or the Green New Deal or the socialism that are now the animating forces. I mean, these are the most important, most powerful forces in the Democrat Party. But Joe Biden doesn't represent that. He's not he's not a part of that. He doesn't want to do that. It was interesting to see that happen. And there were other uh, claims that Biden made that were just self-contradictory, absurd. I guess my my frustration uh, from the Trump side of things. And I, I don't you know, I don't think that Trump had a great night. I don't think he had a bad night. And look, I, I come here and I tell you the truth. I know the most successful thing. I, I'm a conservative radio host. If I want to just try to appeal to the broadest audience all the time in this era, I just all I do is talk about how awesome Trump is and everything he says is perfect. I think that's boring and I think it's dishonest. I'm a Trump supporter. I think he's been a great president. I think he's done a lot of fantastic things for the country. I've been supporting him ever since the 2016, you know, before the 2016 election. 
And yet I, I don't think it helps to sit here and, and pretend that everything went really well. So let's let's actually talk about it. I mean, if you want somebody who just sits there and is going to give the Trump administration a back rub all the time, there are other shows that can do that. Uh, I, I think that the president should have hammered uh, Biden on some of the inconsistencies uh, on Biden, for example, uh, saying that Trump has ruined the economy. And this was a big this is a big thing. It's a big point that's going to matter to a whole lot of people. And on the one hand, Biden says Trump didn't shut down enough. On the other hand, he's blaming Trump for the economic downturn. That is a direct consequence and there's no serious argument otherwise a direct consequence of the lockdowns so which is it is it that trump didn't do enough to lock us down or that trump is specifically at fault because of lockdowns and the economic damage they did even though he didn't order all the lockdowns in all the states you know they they have to settle on one it can't be both it can't be both and uh, i i wish that there had been more of a, of a hammer dropped on that issue. Um, Trump recognizes the Democrats have deeply politicized, deeply politicized the issue of COVID-19 and the lockdowns. Uh, here he is, play 11. He will shut it down again. He will destroy this country. You know, a lot of people between drugs and alcohol and depression, when you start shutting it down, you take a look at what's happening at some of your Democrat-run states where they have these tough shutdowns. And I'm telling you, it's because they don't want to open it. One of them came out last week. You saw that. Oh, we're going to open up on November 9th. Why November 9th? Because it's after the election. They think they're hurting us by keeping them closed. They're hurting people. People know what to do. They can social distance. They can wash the hands. They can wear masks. They can do whatever they want. But they got to open these states up. When you look at North Carolina, when you look and these governors are under siege, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and a couple of others, you got to open these states up. It's not fair. You're talking about almost it's like being in prison. And you look at what's going on with divorce. Look at what's going on with alcoholism and drugs. It's a very, very sad thing. And he'll close down the whole country. This guy will close down the whole country and destroy our country. Our country is coming back incredibly well. It's all true what he's saying about what the Democrat view of the lockdowns are and what it's doing to the country. And I'm sorry, folks, this is the central fight right now. We say we care about rights and freedom and liberty. It's all being taken away from us on the whims of people who claim they're making us safer. It's absurd. It's absurd. We can live with this virus. We can handle it. We can deal with it as a society. We don't need government mandates for masks and government mandates for shutdowns. It's not helping. All right. In Spain, they've had the most extreme lockdowns imaginable, certainly of any Western country. And they've now had a big outbreak again. And there are anti-mask protests in the streets because they're like, what? what? Now you're just going to say wear more masks and it's going to go away. They locked children indoors for months. It's absurd. It's wrong. It's more than absurd. It's wrong. And this is what the Democrats want to do. It's going to get worse. Think about the economic impact of Joe Biden coming in, raising taxes and doing national level mandated covid policy shutdowns. Think of what that's going to do to employment. Think about what that's going to do to these businesses that are on life support. Biden running the economy would be like someone walking around the hospital where all the businesses are on life support, just pulling the plug. It's going to kill millions more small businesses. It's 
devastating what will happen. And that's why the president said this, and I I give him credit. He's pointing this out. But this needs to be a, a focus. These Democrats are out of their minds. And Joe Biden's a puppet of the left. And he can't just pretend in front of America for one night to fool them that that's not true. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. But they don't want to accept the National Guard. You have repeatedly criticized the the vice president for not specifically calling out Antifa and other left wing extremist groups. But are you willing tonight? to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Are you prepared to to specifically do it? I would say say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right wing. So what are you you, you saying? I'm I'm willing to do anything. I want to see peace. Then do it, sir. Say it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. Supremacists and right like me to white supremacists and right proud boys. Proud boys, stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right his wing own, problem. This is, this is a left wing. This is a left wing White supremacist. Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not malicious. That's what oh, his tonight. FBI. Idea. His okay. FBI director Gentlemen. said. Antifa is not an organization, folks. It's an idea. They just coordinate all the time, meet in the same place, communicate, raise funds, have logistics planning and preparation, have medics, quote, medics that they deploy. And they continually do this night after night. And they're in constant communication. So they got fundraising organization, shared ideology. Oh, but it's not an organization. It's an idea. Okay. You could really say the same thing about a lot of terrorist groups. They share an ideology with each other, but they're disparate cells and they don't always have perfect command and control among the different cells. So it's not really an organization. It's just an idea. No, it's also an organization. But the will you condemn white supremacists? We're talking about white supremacists. We've had BLM lunatics destroying cities all summer. And it's BLM supporters, it's BLM protesters and Antifa that are doing this. And the president, the sitting president of the United States is being asked to condemn white supremacists. He has condemned them many times before. But this is the ultimate when did you stop beating your wife question. And Chris Wallace knows it. And what he did is disgusting. It was honestly shameful. They also brought up, of course, Biden and Wallace. Might as well think of them as a tag team. Uh, the the Charlottesville situation and the both sides, uh, good people on both sides. Chris Wallace introduced that. That is a lie. That is an inexcusable lie. The president did not refer to white supremacists as the good people on both sides. There is a transcript. There is video. You can watch it for yourself. I've read that transcript many times. He says in the same exact speech they always cite, he says within a matter of moments, I just want to be very clear. I'm not talking about the white supremacists as good people. I'm talking about people arguing about whether historical statues should be, you know, taken down or not. And there is an argument over that. And there are good faith reasons, depending on the situation, the statue and everything else to either before or against statue removal, specifically as a matter of whether it's history or 
or symbolism. But they still lie about the president on that. And Chris Wallace was a a part of that lie. Chris Wallace was a guy who honestly acted like a Democrat operative. I mean, I thought and people are saying, oh, but it's so hard to hold these two people back from each other. You know, let let them have it out a bit more. I don't know. I don't know why Chris Wallace kept, you know, he couldn't control them. And then he would wait until it was just about we're just about to have Biden. You know, Biden gets hit with a shot. He's on the ropes and you're going to have him say what he can't avoid saying, which is that he's just basically full of it and that he doesn't want the American people to know that he represents a party that is completely insane and is it is going to be disastrous for the country. He's going to make you poorer, less free, more unhappy, less safe. That's what Biden's really offering you, America. But the moment that we were going to get to that point where you would have that inescapable conclusion, then then Wallace would jump in. So that's why I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, dissect and, and pull apart here the different worthwhile moments of the debate, because we were, in a sense, robbed of having a, a worthwhile exchange or as worthwhile an exchange as it should have been. And, you know, Biden escaped with this of course the, the biden uh the biden team is saying no more debates no more debates because he did show up with his pants on did not say i am a tyrannosaurus rex did not just fade off into speaking gibberish and that because of the way that we had been talking about this for weeks leading up to it that that was something of a victory for him so here are the pro biden pundits out there saying no more debates that's it we saw he doesn't actually have to wear an adult diaper or have an earpiece. Play uh, eight. So uh, very simple question. After what went down this evening, do you think Joe Biden should participate in a second or third debate? Should the next two debates go on as scheduled? I wouldn't be surprised, by the way, if this is the last presidential debate. Should there be other debates? Are we really going to repeat this? Are we going to have another two of, of these i think we have to hear from the presidential commission on debates tomorrow we, we 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 can't do two more of these why are we bothering a with a discussion of the rules of format of time limits of uh moderators at all when we have just seen what is going to happen why debate again they want to know they, they don't think there should be another debate Come on. What's the point? Right. They don't want that to happen. I think they realize Joe Biden got lucky last night. Lucky. Uh, And if Trump was just a little bit more focused and a little bit less obstructed by the moderator, I think he would have had some real memorable moments and not just memorable, um, not just memorable, but also uh, meaningful. Right. I mean, it's one thing, you know, there there were memorable moments last night, for example. I mean, here's Trump talking about Biden versus Bernie Sanders. I mean, this was kind of funny. Play 15. So you agree with Bernie Sanders, the far left, on the manifesto, we call it. That gives you socialized medicine. Look, hey, are you saying you didn't agree? Listen to him. The fact of the matter is I beat Bernie Sanders. Not by much. I I beat him a whole hell of a lot. I'm here here standing facing you, buddy. Pocahontas would have left Uh, two days early. You would have lost every primary. All he knows how to do is Tuesday. You got very lucky. Here's the deal. I got very lucky. I'm going to get very lucky tonight as well. And tonight I'm going to make sure because here's the deal. 
Trump, Trump going full Trump there. Pretty funny. Not by much. He's right. The Democrat apparatus had a panic moment and threw all their all their effort into making sure that it be Biden and not Bernie because they need to be able to play this game. They need to be able to continue with this fraud that namely the Democrat Party is not, in fact, a far left socialist party now, but that it is uh, moderate. You know, that's why they put forward this guy, Joe Biden. I mean, the whole thing is so transparent. It's so obvious. And it's obvious that they're being dishonest. I and mean, the reason they went with Biden is because they can't they can't own up to what the Democrat Party has become with their candidate. They've got to pretend there's something else. I mean, Biden would not address whether he would pack the courts, would not address whether he would support eliminating the filibuster in the Senate, uh, wouldn't condemn Antifa. I mean, he's never condemned Antifa from what I understand. They'll condemn violence. But you see, that's meant to say that's meant to be a a game they play where, well, violence, maybe he's just condemning the right wing violence out there. You remember early in the days of uh, the, the earlier days of BLM, there were there were journos who actually believed that maybe all the burning down of buildings and the rioting were right wing agitators. I mean, this is just it's all so offensive. We've been through this for months. They are Biden voters who are burning down businesses. It is Biden voters who are threatening strangers in the street and demanding political obedience who are shooting and murdering police officers. It is Biden voters who are doing those things. And now they're going to pretend like this is on both sides of the aisle. Now they're going to play some uh, moral relativism game. I, I don't think so, friends. I don't, there's no equivalency here. There's no similarity in the two sides. The left is the party of the mob of riots. And the right is imperfect, but it's not that. It's not those things. Um, and that's where I think the substance started to come out last night. I mean, we, we could have had more. Um, and and the, the the area, I think, where Biden is is most vulnerable. Uh, is on this on law and order issues of the Democrat Party and this he used the phrase last night, reimagining police. No serious person believes that reimagining police is a serious idea. It's not true. It doesn't exist. There's no serious person out there who goes, yeah, yeah, let's let's reimagine police. Uh, but Biden said it because that's what the left wing activist base wants to hear. You know, we should have been pressed on. Do you support defunding police? That's a yes or no question, because his base definitely does. But Biden doesn't want to admit that. He needs those voters, but he can't tell people that he's going to support and go. Uh, he's going to support and execute on their plans and on their demands. Law and order is the single area where Trump, I think, has the, the easiest, uh, the easiest time clobbering his opponent. And he got in some shots on it, but it wasn't it wasn't what it could have been uh, because the Democrats absolutely have a glass jaw on this one. They are weak on this issue. De uh, Trump knows it biden is weak on the issue of the unrest the riots the looting the mayhem and there's no real excuse there's no real uh response that they have that doesn't sound delusional or just like it's full of lies you're in the freedom hut this is the best of buck daily podcast the top stories of the day from the buck sexton show 
More Russia collusion delusion exposed, friends. This was big yesterday. It, it got a little bit overshadowed because of the debates, obviously, which is what all the media was focused on. But th- this was a big one. Uh, you have, let's see here, uh, Sean Davis, Molly Hemingway over at The Federalist again with a great piece that looks at these uh, this latest declassified information from DNI Ratcliffe, the director of national intelligence and DNI Ratcliffe is um, releasing information that shows. Well, let me read. Let me just give you exactly what's going on here and then we'll dive into it together. This is uh, this is from the the letter written to Lindsey Graham, chairman of the Committee on Judiciary from uh, DNI Ratcliffe. In response, uh, Chairman Graham, in response to your request for intelligence community information related to the Federal Bureau of Investigation's Crossfire Hurricane investigation, I have declassified the following. In late July 2016, U.S. intelligence agencies obtained insight into Russian intelligence analysis, alleging that U.S. presidential candidate Hillary Clinton had approved a campaign plan to stir up a scandal against U.S. presidential candidate Donald Trump by tying him to Putin and the Russians hacking of the Democratic National Committee. The IC does not know the accuracy of this allegation, the extent to which Russian intelligence analysis may reflect exaggeration or fabrication. Uh, So in July of 2016, folks, the intel community, the U.S. intel community, uh, had intelligence alleging that Hillary Clinton was part of a plan to stir up a scandal against Donald Trump to distract from her own email problems, which were real, as we know, and were everything that we thought they were. Over 100 instances of classified information on her unclassified server. But the Russians knew that this was uh, that that Hillary was planning this in July of 2016. Hold on a second. How the heck could the Russians know that? Well, let's think this through for a moment. The Hillary Clinton campaign paid for the dossier through Christopher uh, for Christopher Steele to make right. Christopher Steele was supposed to compile this. Christopher Steele is a foreign intelligence operative. I know everyone tries to say, oh, but he's so well-respected and great and everything. No, he's a foreign intelligence operative. He's not an American. And he's using unvetted Russian subsources and pulling all this unverified, basically, gossip and rumors into a Word document. And then we're treating that like an intelligence dossier. Well, the Russian subsources clearly recognized that this was... I'm, I'm sure Christopher Steele said that this was on behalf of the Clinton campaign And he needs to, you know, trying to appeal to the anti-Trump sentiment that all Clinton supporters believe is out there. Right. Steele hates Trump. We all know that. Christopher Steele. So the Russians are feeding disinformation to the Clinton campaign, know they're doing it. And the intelligence community found out that the Russians knew that that's what was going on. How else could they have known about this? How else could they have been aware of what the Clinton campaign was planning and did do, as we now know. It goes on. According to his handwritten notes, former Central Intelligence Agency Director Brennan subsequently briefed President Obama and other senior national security officials on the intelligence, including the alleged approval by Hillary Clinton on July 26, 2016, 
of a proposal from one of her foreign policy advisors to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by Russian security services. So CIA Director Brennan, in the summer of 2016, right when the election's really heating up, the same month that the Crossfire Hurricane investigations officially opened against George Papadopoulos, uh, the CIA director is telling President Obama and other senior officials on Obama's staff that the Clinton campaign is planning this oper- disinformation operation against Trump. And that is what happened, meaning that the Russian assessment was correct. So what this tells us is that the Obama administration at the very top level of the intelligence community They knew that the Hillary campaign had their fingerprints all over this. They knew that the Russians knew the Hillary Clinton campaign had their fingerprints all over this. So what they decided to do? Oh, let's just let's just run with it. This is they they view this as an opportunity. Okay, so we'll just pretend like this is all real and we'll give oxygen to this conspiracy theory. We'll make this seem like it's uh, like it's real. On September 7, 2016, U.S. intelligence officials, back to this memo, forwarded an investigative referral to FBI Director James Comey and Deputy Assistant Director of Counterintelligence Peter Strzok regarding U.S. presidential candidate Hillary Clinton's approval of a plan concerning U.S. presidential candidate Donald Trump and Russian hackers hampering U.S. elections as a means of distracting the public from her use of a private mail server. As referenced in his September 24th, 2020 letter to your committee, Attorney General Barr um, advised the disclosure of this information will not interfere with the ongoing department investigations. Additional additional declassification and public disclosure of related intelligence is under consideration. However, the IC welcomes the opportunity to provide a classified briefing to you with further details at your convenience. So there's more coming. This isn't it. But this also tells you that the Obama administration was fully in on the scam. They knew that Hillary was going to use this Russian disinformation campaign against Trump in the election. The dirtiest of dirty tricks. That's what this was. They were aware of it. And then they decided to use it. They had to know that this was fraught with conflicts of interest and lack of vetting. And it's foreign collusion. This is the Hillary campaign through a foreign intermediary using Russian disinformation against her presidential rival. This is all fact now. But then they've somehow turned it. You you see, there's a classic tactic, right? A classic tactic where you will try to place blame on others before it can be blamed on blamed on you. If, you know, two kids are brought into a uh, brought into the, the dean's office and somebody you know, splattered red paint all over the front of the school building for whatever reason. The kid who did it might point at the kid who didn't do it, but both are implicated and say he did it. Because then your denial, you're already suspect then, right? Then your denial feels like it has less weight. That's kind of what the Hillary Clinton campaign ended up doing. No, they ran with this. And then when it was clear that there was nothing there, the FBI and the others figured, Well, let's just let's go public with this. Let's leak this. Let's make people believe this lie, because otherwise we're going to get caught in this information operation against the now president after Trump won the election that had no basis in fact. 
So their only op- their only option at that point in their minds was to was to make Russia collusion real as far as they could right? to make people believe in this thing because they had already taken action. They'd already used the smear to try to stop Trump from winning. Well, now he's going to find out this is what we've seen also in the recently uh, released text messages among senior FBI officials involved in the investigation. Oh, my gosh, the new AG's coming in. We're going to have some really tough questions to ask. What the heck are we doing here? They they engaged in a, an election that was I'm sorry, in a, an investigation based on lies and that was weaponized and then realized that they would be found out for that abuse. And so instead of allowing for that transparency and the eventual accountability to happen, they decided to double down and go on offense. And that's what the Mueller probe and Comey and all the rest of it's about. That's what this is showing you. Russia collusion was even worse. It was at the very highest level. Obama knew about this. The Russia collusion lie. Or maybe we should just start saying Hillary's Russia collusion. Her campaign worked with Russians and the Russians knew that she was lying about Trump to try to defeat him and to distract from her own inexcusable information operation uh, fail information security failures uh, with regard to the email server they knew tried to just bury it for a while and then figured well we might as well accuse the other guy before he can accuse us comey was a part of it all the rest of them it's it's disgusting what they did to this president and there has been no real accountability yet and i don't know if we'll ever get there i don't know if we'll ever really find out the truth about this but I'm still very hopeful, friends, very hopeful that we will get some measure of justice, but I'm not counting on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast. Let's just take a moment to review what the elite media thought of the debate. Of course, no surprises here. No one could come away from it saying that Joe Biden did a great job, obviously. No matter how much you love Joe Biden, I mean, it was just the usual nonsense from him. A lot of talking points. The, the, uh, the way the media attacks Trump is the same way Biden attacks Trump. And, and look, people are going to come away from this. Most people are gonna watch, who watch the debate, they're going, to view the, they're going to view the situation exactly as they did beforehand. Uh, but here is, for example, oh, gosh, so many, so many great. Oh, I'm so upset about the debates. It was like so terrible. And I'm like, why are they so awful? Here is Donna Bosch. Don't call her Dana. Donna Bosch uh, with, with her big line of the night. This uh, highly paid, deeply unimpressive CNN political, uh, not a commentator, analyst or correspondent or something you know some title will make it sound like she's not just a dem talking point machine play nine we'll talk about who won the debate who lost the debate but i can tell you one thing for sure the american people lost tonight because that was horrific you just took the words out of my mouth um you used some high-minded language i'm just gonna say it like it is that was show and, you know, we're on cable. We can say that. Apologies for being um, maybe a little bit crude. But that is really the, the phrase that I'm getting, more, you know, from people on both sides of the aisle on text. And it's the only phrase that I can think of to really describe it. Yeah, she's so spicy. That was a that was a bloop show. Oh, my gosh. I'm just going to say it. 
It's like terrible what he did. It was so bad. Oh my gosh. CNN, I swear. One day someone looked back and say, what, what happened to CNN? It used to be, it used to be liberal, but not insane. And now it is insane liberals. They've really, they've really gone, they've gone full crazy over there. So yeah, look, I mean, the debate was, it was sloppy if you're expecting Shakespearean oratory, if you're expecting two guys who like and respect each other to have a, a reasonable exchange of ideas where they don't step on each other's time and that wasn't going to happen. There was no future in which there was no world in which Joe Biden and Donald Trump are going to sit on stage and uh, treat each other like highly regarded peers. That that was not going to be reality. But, you know, you go into a street fight, you're going to get hit. And that's what happened. But Joe Scarborough and Mika and they're very upset with what happened last night. Play six. Joe, Biden's getting great reviews. He did great last night. He handled it really well. And when he was allowed to talk, he sounded great. <laughs> but why in the world was his team expose him to lower himself to a display like that ever again? Well, um, Willie and I were uh, talking about this before the show. I, I, I would have walked off the stage at certain times and, and said, until you can actually make sure that we abide by the rules. I'm not going to be a part of this charade. That said, uh, uh, voters overwhelmingly thought last night that Joe Biden won that debate. Uh, Donald Trump set himself on fire in front of 100 million people last night. <laughs> it really is like we're watching an alternative reality, isn't it? I mean, it was aggressive. I, I'm, I'm objective that it was aggressive, and I feel like Trump didn't get a knockout punch on Biden, but you know, there, there was there was no there was no point in that debate where I thought, wow, Joe Biden's impressive. And Mika, oh, he's getting rave reviews. He's like so good. Oh, Biden. These are all people who would have laughed a year ago at the notion of Joe Biden. They did laugh the many times you ran for president in the past. This guy's a joke. He's a joke. He loves to say that ain't no joke, man. That ain't no joke. You know, he's got this. Uh, I ain't kidding. I ain't kidding. He's got these verbal ticks that you'll, you'll hear it from him if you listen to him give speeches and stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the elite media was was not happy with this little little tiny stifflupalupalus over at ABC. He was also unhappy. Play five. It is hard to find the words to describe what we saw on that debate stage last night. Well, one word comes to mind. How about disgrace? Mm -hmm. It was an absolute disgrace. It was a mockery of a presidential debate, an insult to our democracy. From the start, President Trump was determined to defy the rules, repeat falsehoods, attack Joe Biden, dominate the stage. Joe Biden seemed exasperated, uneven at times, most forceful when he spoke directly to the American people on issues like COVID. What lingers the morning after the sense that our civic life has hit a new low. The only thing he says that's that's accurate here, really. Uh, well, he says Joe Biden was uneven, which is a way of saying, look, guys, some of his stuff was crappy and he was evasive on key issues, on on important questions. He should answer. He didn't answer because he can't answer. He can't. Joe Biden can't tell the American people the truth of the Democrat Party right now. That's the problem. Ultimately, Trump, say what you will about him. Trump is being Trump. He's going to tell you what he thinks, what he wants to do. He's not hiding anything from people. He's not pretending that he that he wants things for this country that he doesn't want or that he's not. You know, it's all right there in front of you with Biden. You get this dissembling. You get this uh, obfuscation and it's built into it. Uh, but the country is very divided right now and people are upset. 
and it's been a tough year. So is it a surprise at all that this debate was as uh, as nasty as it was? No, it shouldn't be to anybody. Uh, you know, you had lines like this where Trump just says what a lot of us have been talking about all along here. Joe Biden, not very smart. Play 12. A lot more going to die unless he gets a lot smarter, a lot quicker, so, Mr. President. Did you use the word smart? Uh, so you said you went to Delaware State, but you forgot the name of your college. You didn't <laughs> go to so. Delaware State. You graduated either the lowest or almost the lowest in your class. Don't ever use the word smart with me. Don't ever use that word. Oh, give me a break. Because you know what? There's nothing smart about you, Joe. 47 years, you've done well, nothing. Let's have this debate. And if we'll you would have had, smart. let me just tell you something, Joe. No, if you would have had the charge of what I was put through. I had to close the greatest economy in the history of our country. And by the way, now it's being built again. Biden's not very smart. People know that. People have known that for a long time. Uh, Do we really believe that he's become wiser, more successful, better in recent years? Do Do we really believe any of that? Folks, do any of you believe that? No, of course not. But that's what we're told. That's what we're supposed to believe. That Joe Biden, uh, at at 78, you're getting the real, the good stuff now. The Democrats rejected him year after year after year when he tried to run for president. And now, all of a sudden, they've got no other option, so they're just pretending. It's all a game. It's all a sham. And the president sees that. He knows that. And you look at the, the record that Joe Biden has had in politics. What, what is impressive about him? What bill did Joe Biden uh, author? What, what, oh, the Joe Biden crime bill. Right. Which he now repudiates. I mean, the one thing Joe Biden is known for from a legislative perspective is the thing that he now says he, wish he, had, he wishes he hadn't done. Which is why this, uh, this slam from Trump, I think, does leave a mark. Play 17. People out there need help. But why didn't you do it over the last 25 years? Because you weren't president. Because you weren't president screwing things up. You were a senator. You're the the worst president America has ever had. Let me let me just tell you, Joe. I've done more in in 47 months. I've done more than you've done in 47 years, Joe. We've done things that you never even thought of doing, including fixing the broken military that you gave me, including taking care of your debts, Mr. President. Uh, folks, this is it, man. I mean, there's there's not going to be any any change in tone or, or vibe or feeling between these two men. Uh, Donald Trump does not respect Joe Biden, and, and I don't think he should. I don't respect Joe Biden. I don't think there's anything impressive about Joe Biden. I think he's a slimy career politician who's just done what he can to advance himself and make his family rich in the process, pretending to do public service. And the guy is just unimpressive. You know, he's just... Uh, kind of a mediocre, sub-mediocre guy who's just been along for the ride and just does whatever he has to do to get what he needs when he needs it. That's it. As there's, there's no vision. There's no passion. And yet they're hoping this is going to be enough anyway. Oh, and then there were the attacks on the families that came out, specifically on Hunter Biden. Where's Hunter? 